0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open them with me, please, to the book of John. I want to go to the book of John, the 12th chapter. John chapter 12. And I want you to see a story in the New Testament that I would like for you to look at through, through maybe new lenses in a way that you haven't seen it before. But this is our, this is a series, an annual series that we started doing three years ago called the Exchange Series, and it has made a profound difference in the ability of this church to impact communities for Jesus Christ. If you're new to the church, it's a time when once out of the year, I take time to teach what the Bible says about giving. And beyond that, we challenge our people at every campus and all over the nation that watch and consider this church a major part of their life to do something unusual, to do something above the norm. To do something beyond the bottom line of just doing what you do to help support the kingdom. But to give really above and beyond. In a way that it touches your heart. Well, how much are you believing for? It's not about how much we get. It's about how much God does in our heart. As we sacrifice to Him. As He speaks to us. You pray over the next few weeks. You talk at the table about what you as a family can do to make a difference. Because many times, the truth is, the only reason that we're sitting here in this room and all of you, where you are there in Orange County and all the other campuses in Spartanburg and Gwinnett and all of the places, is because somebody gave so that we could have a place to worship today There in Buford in that high school, wherever you are, somebody gave and made that opportunity for families to be saved and delivered. How many of you appreciate the fact that somebody paid for what you're sitting in right now? That's pretty big. That's pretty big. I want you to see an amazing story in John chapter 12. I'll begin reading with verse 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom He raised from the dead. And they made Him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with Him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of Spinknard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped His feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil, But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why has the fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Then he, this he said, listen carefully, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and he had the money box, and he used it to take, What was put in. He would take what was put into Jesus' money box. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always. But for me, you do not have always. I want to talk about this amazing teaching of Jesus. Because it really shows us in two characters... Mary being one and Judas the other, the two kinds of spirits that control people, either a spirit of generosity or a spirit of selfishness. God is a generous God, and I want a big amen on that. Amen. If you get if you want a good way to remember the nature of God, just G stands for generous. And God's name starts with G, and God is a generous God. Satan is a selfish Satan. And the nature of Satan is selfishness. The nature of God is generosity. The Bible said this woman offered God one of the most extravagant gifts ever given in the Scriptures. When she broke open alabaster box, and the scripture tells us in this text and other places in the New Testament where this story is recorded, same story, some different insights, but same story. And one of them tells us that it was one year's wages. That is an ex- now, you think about what you make in one year. Is it a hundred thousand? Is it fifty thousand? Is it thirty thousand? is it is it 500,000? Is it what do you make in one year? This woman gave everything she had made in one year and broke it open and poured it out lavishly upon the body of Christ and then left the the rest of it on the floor. In one of the most extravagant offerings ever given in the kingdom of God. So so moving was it to Christ that if you read the story, I think it's in the book of Mark 14, I believe, Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, this story will be told as a memorial of what this woman has done for me. I don't ever want it to be forgotten how this woman gave an extravagant gift to me six days before I went to the cross for her and for humanity we are born selfish every parent knows what it's like to be sitting with friends and have their children the little toddlers off playing and all of a sudden there's this scream that you hear that brings chills down your spine mine mine anybody know what I'm talking about and you know you have to go running because there's about to be a bad fight break out among those children over some baby doll or some something is about to get its going down because both of them are saying mine mine we come into this world with a mine mentality but i want you to understand that jesus wants us to have a generous spirit John 12 and 6, Judas said, why didn't you give this? You could have sold it for 300 denarii and given it to the poor. It's the old age selfish cover up of stingy people when they see somebody who is blessed and they want to do great things for God, they excuse their stinginess by saying, by criticizing what other people are doing for the Lord. I mean, uh, any house that's bigger than our house ought to be sold and given to the kingdom of God. Any car that's nicer than our car, they ought not to be driving that car, they ought to be given more to the kingdom of God. As long as it's not nicer than ours. Because well, that's how we see things. But Jesus doesn't mind us being blessed. Jesus doesn't mind us having plenty. Jesus doesn't have us... How can you... He said, when you, when you feed the least of these, you feed me. When you clothe the least of these, how can you feed them if you don't have any money? How can you clothe them if you don't have any money? How can you send the gospel if you don't have any money? Judas was stealing the money. You've heard the old saying, that guy's that guy so crooked, he'd sell his own mother if he could make a dollar. Well, how about selling your Savior? He sold his Savior for 30 pieces of silver. You talk about a crook, but he's criticizing the woman who wants to be extravagant in giving to Christ. And yet, he is a thief himself. He don't tithe. He don't give nothing. And most of the people who criticize those of us who love to give to the kingdom of God don't give anything. All they do is criticize. None of them tithe. Because tithers love this kind of talk. You know, all right, y'all just keep sitting there. That's good. I feel good. You know, you go to the doctor, I went and had my little physical, I have an annual physical, and the doctor, you know, they, it's, it's just kind of what it is, and they'll f- feel all around and probe, and how's that feel, and how's that, and, 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 and if you, if you mm, they'll, they'll say, oh, did that hurt? Yeah, and, 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 yeah and, he's, and, and the doctor will say, well, we might ought to look a little bit more at that, because it's not supposed to hurt there. So when I get up and talk about tithing and giving and I probe and poke a little bit, if you go, mm, that hurt, it ain't supposed to hurt. If you're a tither, it makes you happy. You actually get excited about these kinds of services. Come on, give your neighbor a poke and say, it ain't supposed to hurt. That's your issue, not the doctor's. Dr. Franklin is fine today. It's your issue if I'm poking where you are uncomfortable. Well, moving right along. Let's keep going. I want you to notice something about this story that, that I've never seen before. Now, I mean, I've seen it, but I didn't understand it like this. Judas was the keeper of the money box of the ministry. Jesus was God. He knew, he knew Judas was a crook, a thief. And yet, he let him keep the money to test him. You'll always be tested in the area of your weakness. I I, I want to say it like this. You're being tested right now about how much spiritual authority and how much blessing God can trust you with in the future. Even while I'm speaking, even now, financially, you're being tested. Luke 16 said, If you're not faithful with another man's money and with unrighteous mammon, how can you be trusted with true riches? God will never give spiritual authority to someone who does not handle money right. There's two reasons why... We handle the money right in this ministry. And if you're new to the ministry, we're audited every year. We're a member of the Evangelical Council, Financial Accountability. On top of that, which is another audit, we post all the income of our church on the internet. You can go on there and look at it. You can see we have to have strict guidelines of what people's salaries are. It's, not, it's decided by scales in order to get that seal of approval of equivalent organizations and nonprofits that are the same size of this ministry. So uh, what I'm trying to say to you is there's two reasons why we do the money right around here. we got a real board, not just my mama or somebody like that on the board, you know. It's a real board. We don't count the money back there in my office and take it home in the back of a truck. Truck, And uh, that's the nuttiest stuff I've ever heard of. But some people are so crazy. There's two reasons why we do the money right around here. Number one, I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> And number two, I don't want to go to hell. All right, so that's my commitment. You ain't gotta worry about hey, you can have it. I, I don't wanna go to jail. I am not jail meat, and I am not going to hell. Come on, say amen. So that's, that's it. I believe this stuff. We're gonna give account for this stuff. So let's get it straight. But here here here's the thing. He, trust, he was testing Judas. If you can't handle unrighteous money, how will he commit to your trust true riches? You know what true riches is? Influence with people or people, souls. Generosity is another word for extravagant. There are great examples of people in the scripture who did above normal. Mary is one of the greatest. One year's wages in one extravagant offering. It's your heart that God is after. There are three levels of giving in the Bible. Only three levels. Number one, there's the tithing. A tithe. How many of you are new to the church? Let me see your hand. How many of you are been around here a little while? Let me see your hand. Then... This won't work, but when people come to me and they say, they say uh, you know, I'm new to the church. What is tithing? I always want to say, you don't know? You really don't know what tithe Never heard of it. It's 25%. Come on. Come on. Come on <laughs> I'm just, I'm cutting up. But if you don't know what it is, it's 25%. No, the word tithe means 10%. Everybody smile when I say that. The word tithe means 10%. Listen to me carefully. The lowest level of giving in the body of Christ biblically is 10%. You cannot touch the other two levels. There are three levels of giving, and the first level is the tithe. There's no way to give an offering, which is the second level, that has to exceed the tithe. You cannot give an offering unless you first meet the tithe. The Bible says in Malachi, bring the tithe and the offering. So it's impossible to reach the second level of giving, which is offerings, if you don't ever... And this is, this is unbelievable what I'm about to tell you, but sadly... The mass majority of Christians never reach the first level, ground level, bottom level that the scripture teaches believers ought to give, which is ten percent of their income. If you make a hundred thousand a year, you should give God ten thousand. If you make a ten thousand or or fifty thousand a year, five thousand. If you make five hundred a week, fifty dollars. If you make One dollar, ten cent. And when you do that, whatever you made, that is the tithe. That's the first level of giving. There are remarkable blessings that are connected to the tithe according to Malachi 3. He said, when you bring it in, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings you won't have. Now here's the beautiful thing. If you ever make it to the first level, Of giving 10%, you'll always go to the second level of tithe, which is offering. You'll begin to give offerings because God will pour out so much and bless the 90%. God is a God who says, I'm a businessman. I'm going to give you all the product that you need, and I'm going to let you work for me. And all I ask in return is you give me 10% and you keep 90% of the commission of everything that I send through you. How I many of you'd like to work for 90% commission on everything you sell? God says that's the kind of business, generous businessman I am. I'm going to give you your breath. I'm going to give you your strength. I'm going to give you your wisdom. I'm going to give you favor. I'm going to give you opportunities. I'm going to give you cars and stuff and all kinds of stuff and everything you need to make wealth and do what you need. And you keep 90% of the commission. All I ask you for is 10%. And the mass majority of the body of Christ Most believers never reach the first level of giving, just giving 10% to God. That's too much, God. You're asking me for too much. If you get to the first level of tithing, you'll always get to the second level of giving offerings. What is an offering? It's called a free will offering over and over. It's whatever you feel like, whatever you want to do, anytime you want to do it. Any, sometimes it's not to the offering bag to the church. Sometimes it's to waitress. You leave a hundred dollars because God told you to do it, and it's an offering. Sometimes it's a it's a holy handshake where you just shake somebody's hand. And say, "There's a fifty dollar bill right there." God told me to bless you. Be blessed, and you just give offerings. You give offerings, but you never give an offering till you first give your tithe. It never qualifies in God's eyes as an offering. It's the tithe is the lowest level. Then there's offerings. And then the last level is extravagant offerings. This woman gave an extravagant offering. And it was a remarkable offering. Mary did it. David, in the Old Testament, is another example of an extravagant worshiper. Well, what do you mean? What did he do? When Solomon wanted to build the temple, his son, the Bible said his daddy, David, left him in the equivalent of $21 billion worth of material to build the temple that Solomon built. We give credit to Solomon for building the temple, but David was the one, when he died on his deathbed, left in his inheritance $21 billion, and he said, it's designated for my boy to build the house of God. That's an extravagant offering. Solomon offered God, the Bible said, he was only required to offer one bull. God only asked him for one bull on the day of the dedication. But the scripture said, uh, or actually this was another place where he, where he offered God when the, an offering. And, and the scripture said that he said, I'm bringing God 1,000 choice bulls. I'm, I'm just saying, from a business standpoint, he was destroying his business with this extravagant. If you're given a thousand of the choice bulls, and I mean, he's a breeder, he's he's a he's a herdsman. He these 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 bulls. A bull is how you reproduce your flocks. And if you're given a thousand choice ones away, that's an extravagant deal that he's doing. I'm sure there were other businessmen in the same business in the same bull business. And and they're all they're all saying, Well, he's running his crop, he's running his stock. He's this 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 guy what he's doing for the kingdom is going to ruin him. And that night the Bible said God showed up in his bedroom, Solomon, and said, What do you want me to do for you? Tell me anything you want, I'm gonna do it. He said, Give me wisdom, and the Bible said God gave him wisdom and riches unequalled by any other human being on the planet. That's extravagant giving that was released in his life. Can I tell you about another extravagant gift? The woman who gave two mites, which is the equivalent of two pennies. See, we think we have to give some massive thing, but I'm telling you, for her, it was an extravagant gift. The Bible said that she only had two mites, and it said that Jesus was watching what the people gave. I need to start doing that. I need to get me a chair up here during the offering. The Bible said, watch and pray. And I, just need to, I need to just watch and see what y'all do because the scripture said that Jesus was watching the people bring their offering and rich people were bringing and putting in and this one was bringing and that one was bringing. And then he watched this little widow woman bring two pennies and dropped it into the offering bag. And Jesus said... What she has done was so extravagant, it was greater than the bigness of what the others did because she gave out of her need. It's pretty amazing. Talk about extravagant giving. What about Abraham when he laid Isaac on the offering? on the altar and raised the knife and was going to stab his own son in the heart. And God stopped him and said, Now I know. Now I know I can trust you. Now I know that you'll obey me. Now I know that stuff doesn't own you. Now I know that you've not made money, your God. Now I know that that I mean more to you than anything I've ever given you, including your house, your car, your security, your bank accounts, anything that you have. I wanted to know, am I number one or do you love the stuff I've given you more than you love me? And every once in a while, the Holy Spirit will come by and say to me, and say to you, am I still number one? And the more blessed you get, the harder it is to pass this test. Being generous is all through the Bible. A generous heart, listen to me carefully, comes from a grateful heart. Say amen, somebody. A generous heart comes From a grateful heart. That's why I love this story. Can I can I can I set it up now and 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 tell you why I wanted to go here and I'm right where I want to be to show you something that if you don't get nothing else out of this message, you need what I'm about to share with you. A grateful, a generous heart always comes from a grateful heart. And why do I say that? John chapter twelve is all about Mary breaking open the alabaster box and pouring one year's wages on Jesus, anointing Him for His burial. But in order to appreciate why she would be so extravagant in John chapter 12, you have to back up and go to John chapter 11. What happened in John chapter 11 the Bible said in John chapter 11, Jesus' friend Lazarus had died and had been dead for three days. And Jesus went to his tomb, and maybe they can throw it up. He stood outside the tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth from the dead. And when he did that in John chapter 11, The Bible said they rolled the stone away. He said, move the stone, roll it away, let him out of his grave clothes. And Mary's brother was Lazarus. Do you understand that? It was her brother in John chapter 11 who was dead in the grave and Jesus raised him from the dead. Then you move into John 12 and they're eating a meal and guess who Jesus is eating a meal with? The dead man that got raised. Lazarus, who happens to be Mary's brother. And she can't stand it. She can't stand it. My brother was dead It it, had been about a month that had passed according to the commentary that I read. So my brother was was dead a month ago. But now he's sitting at dinner with Jesus eating fried chicken or whatever it is they eat. And I cannot believe. And she got so overwhelmed because a generous heart comes from a grateful heart. And she got so moved at the fact that look at them sitting there laughing and talking and eating and interacting. When one month ago, that boy, my brother, was in the grave dead. Our family was mourning and weeping, but Jesus raised him from the dead. And you say, well, I guess I would be generous like that. The Bible said that while you were in sin, you were dead in trespasses and sin. Let me put it this way. When your children were in sin, they were dead in trespasses and sins. But Jesus raised them from the dead. And if they're born again this morning, you ought to have the most grateful heart that you have ever had because only generous hearts, generous hearts only come from grateful hearts. And the reason that she was so moved she said, What you did for my family has changed our life forever. You changed our mourning into dancing, you changed our brokenness into wholeness. We could be sad and sorrowful, but Jesus, you brought my brother out of the grave clothes of addiction and bondage and I can't just give you any praise today. I don't know when you'll be back in my house eating with my miracle again. So here I go. I'm going all in. I'm breaking open an extravagant gift of worship. And the Bible said, here's the other thing that got me. She poured it out on him and she didn't even know she was anointing him. He said it. When Judah said, she's wasting, she's wasting, he said, you leave her alone. She's anointing me for my burial. And none of them got it. He knew six days from that moment he'd be dying on a cross. Now here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. If she had not done what she did when she did it, Jesus would have had no anointing to come out of the tomb. Let me prove it to you. When the Bible said that Jesus died and they put his body in the tomb, they took him off the cross and they were in a hurry to do it because... The Sabbath was there, and they couldn't do anything. It couldn't work, so they had to hurry. They got him off the cross, and they had to hurry. Normally, they would anoint the body right there. That was the normal routine. It was also a Jewish holiday, so that was even more of a holy day. So they had to hurry and get all the work out of the way. So they just, instead of anointing him like they would normally do for a proper burial, they just put him in there. How do you know they didn't anoint Him? The Bible said that when the, on the third day early in the morning, the women came with spices to anoint Jesus' body in the tomb because they hadn't done it properly the days before. That woman had no idea that when she felt impressed to give an extravagant gift, what it, how it would affect the body of Christ. She had no idea that she was bringing something to Jesus that would cause him to have such an anointing that he would roll the stone away and step out of death and say to millions of people, if you believe in me, you have eternal life. I'm anointed to bring you out of death into life in my name. And I've been anointed for this by a woman who had a grateful heart that turned into an extravagant gift. And we forget about it. And I forget about it. And you forget about it. But when people ride by these buildings there in Orange County. And here in Gainesville. And there in Gwinnett. And Spartanburg. And and Buford. And all of these. And and by the way, we've got a piece of property. We're going to build a church in Buford. Come on somebody. But we don't have it yet. But here's my point. Here's my point. You have no idea. What God is planning to do with the extravagant gift that you give to the kingdom. But I believe this with all of my heart. One day when we get to heaven. There's going to be people who are going to come up to us. And they're going to say, I want to thank you. Because you gave. You went beyond tithing. The first level you went beyond offerings the second level and you gave extravagant offerings all along. You know, I'm not asking you to do something that we don't search our hearts and do. All along, God calls us to back to the place of tremendous sacrifice. And I'll tell you, it's the place of greatest joy. It's when you can bring something that's really, really touching you to do it. It's the place of greatest joy. Because you know in that moment, I have just entered into the dimension of trusting God like I've never trusted Him before. Does that make sense? I feel concerned, and I I want to close with this. They, uh, they did a study, Barna Research did a study, and they said that the millennials are not tithers, almost none. Less than 1% of millennials tithe. We're not, we're not raising up. If you look around at the gray heads and the no hairs and, and, and know that when they are gone, the church is extremely vulnerable to lack. Because they're the tithers. You look at the gray hairs all around you; they're the tithers. I promise you, we know that statistically here. As a matter of fact, I just read this in Barna Research about three years ago. was the latest statistics they had, the annual income for born again evangelical Christians in the United States was five point seven five. I'm sorry, five point two trillion dollars was the combined income. Of those who said they're evangelical Christians. 5.2 trillion, not billion, trillion. The tithe was 1.7% given to nonprofits off of that. It should have been 520 billion, but it was only 1.5%. You know why? Because people in a whole new generation have said that God's house. And tithing does not matter anymore in my life. It is not an issue of heaven or hell. I agree with you. But it is an issue of blessing. It is an issue of obedience. It is an issue of saying, yes, God, I do want your blessing. I'd rather have 90% blessed than 100% of me holding on and never reaching even the first level of bottom giving in the kingdom strong, isn't it? You know why I'm so bold to preach like this? Cause when I started out, I'm so glad that woman right there, my mother, taught us, her five children. You know what she used to do? You know what they used to do? They they gave us money. A dollar or 50 cent or a quarter for the offering. We don't even do that. We don't teach our children We are not teaching a new generation. And if you've got a kid working at McDonald's, my daddy, the first thing he would do is say, did you bring the tithe? I mean, I'm working in a Chinese restaurant. I'm barely getting by. The Bible said if you won't be faithful with a little, you can't be trusted with a lot. If you're a thief, if you're a thief with 30,000, you'll be a bigger thief if God gave you a job making 300,000. And if I can't be trusted with my money when I'm bussing Chinese tables, I can't be trusted now when I'm 56 years old. And God has enormously blessed my life. But if I can't be trusted there, He sure can't trust me with what I've got now. And I I remember the days. This this sounds silly, but I believe it's part of it. It's is we would ask, Mom, I need some money. In the back seat, driving to school, go, going to church, Mama, I need some offering money. Mama, I need some offering money. And, and it's not the money, it's, it's the mentality. It's the mentality. I mean, some of you go to the bathroom every time we have an offering. And so I'm going to get you set up out there, pay for a flush or something. i got to get you in the blessed side of things. I, I, I tell you, your stomach can't be that messed up every week at the same time. you know what? I want you to hear a pastor. We're blessed. We're a blessed ministry. We're not going under. We're going to do everything God's told us to do. I don't beg. I want this for your sake. He said, I'll rebuke the devourer. God, God said, it don't matter. I'm doing this for your sake. I, I'm telling you, I did this when I had nothing. My wife and I did this when we had very little. We started tithing. And then we entered to it because once you start tithing, God will give you so much that you can give offerings. And it gets freer. And then you can buy stuff you never thought you could buy and enjoy 90%. And and every once in a while, God will say, do this, do that. And every once in a while, and you do And then I've entered into the dimension where I've I've been able to give extravagant gifts. I've given cars. I gave a BMW. Y'all don't even know. I gave the youth pastor in California a BMW. Because one of my daughters made me mad. And I took her car and gave it to a youth pastor. Said, you ain't going to live right. Let me give it to somebody that's going to live right for a little while. Now she's doing amazing. But brand new. Brand new BMW. About 25,000, 30,000 miles. Keys. The Lord said, no, don't sell it. Give it to that youth pastor. He needs it. I don't even talk about it. But, but we've done, we've done extravagant things like that. One time, I had a, 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 a book uh, thing, royalty thing, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And The Lord said, "Spoke to Sharice and me, and that's important." And said, "Give the whole thing." Now, I could have used that. I could come up with. I could have pulled the Judas. And God will never make you do it. He challenged me. He challenged my wife. We both felt the same thing at the same time. And we knew it was God. And we just gave it. I've never missed it. I don't know. I sure could have used that to do some things. But you know what? I'm so blessed now. And I'm just telling you, the greater thing is I don't know what God did with that. I don't know the families that drove by that didn't have a church that now have a church because I helped provide when I did that during the building program of this building. And I forget about that stuff, and you forget about that stuff, but God never forgets about it. And it's more blessed to give. On that highest level, it's the greatest blessing. I love to go into Waffle House. And after I eat, I always try to have cash. And they know it. They're fighting over and waiting at my table. I'm not kidding. And I went in there the other week with Sharice. Last week, me and Sharice went in there two weeks ago to eat. Because we were just in a hurry and, and all that. And, and it's late. And we'd come in from somewhere. And we were hungry. And we got, went in there. And there was a young lady that came over. And she, she started tearing up. And she said, let me tell you my story said, I was on meth. I was messed up. I came to Free Chapel. I got born again. I got saved. I got in one of the programs that you've got in that church. She said, I got me a job at Long Street, and, and I'm working at Waffle House, two shifts. And she said, Pastor, God is blessing my life. I'm off of drugs. I'm clean. Been clean for nine months. I've got my life back. Come on, church. That's what it's all about. And you know what? God will bless her more and bless her more and bless her more. I'm wanting to see God do the same for every house represented under the sound of my voice at every campus. Get up on your feet and clap your hands like you believe. He is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Does anybody have a generous heart because you have a grateful heart? Have you thought about all the miracles he's done just for you and your family? So with every head bowed, no one moving, no one moving. We don't move when we're, when we're doing this. But what I'm going to do today is I'm going to pray for you and your heart. That over the next few weeks, you'll search your heart and your life. And I want to say to all of you who are not tithing, you're giving sporadically and you doing, and I'm not here to beat you up. Again, we're blessed. But boy, what you're missing would blow your mind. It's a test, folks. I'm telling I'm preaching the truth today. It's a test. Money is a test of who's God. Money has a voice, it'll talk to you. Trust in me. Your security is in me. Your influence is it. No, it's not, it's in God. If I've got God, He'll add all these things unto me. So I want you youngest. I want young people. I want college students. I want people working part-time jobs. I want people under the sound of my voice. You say, well, when I get a lot, I'll give a lot. No, it starts where you are right now. And for you, extravagant might be two pennies. For you extravagant might be a hundred bucks. For you extravagant. But God says, I know when people obey my voice and I put a blessing on this stuff. That you won't be able. You won't be able and have room enough to receive. Are you ready for that? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.